We're a unique podcast for families of faith, produced by parents and pastors who understand and appreciate how hard it is to maintain your faith in a hostile culture. We're here to encourage and support you in the most vital role of all, parenting. If you're feeling overwhelmed and afraid, it's okay. You're not alone. Brilliantly Brave is hosted by two honest and engaging dads with nine kids between them. A road tripper, author, and pastor, Father Brad Mathias, and iShine founder, solo parenting expert, and all-around foodie, Mr. Robert Beeson. Join us each week as we explore and engage with some of the most intriguing, inspiring, outrageous, and awesome parents in the world. This is Brilliantly Brave. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I'm your co-host, Pastor Brad Mathias, and I'm here in Franklin, Tennessee with Robert Beeson. How's it going? We are excited. If you're a parent and you're struggling with a culture that is resisting every facet of your biblical heritage, you've tuned into the right podcast. Today we have a guest all the way from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, works with Awana Ministries there. Um, his name is Dan Lavaglia, and he is not only an amazing Italian, but he's an author, <laughs> and he's a leader of leaders at Awana, and he's a father of two uh, teenage boys. And he's a dear friend of ours. And he's a dear one. friend of ours, and we, we endorse him, okay? So you have our endorsement, <laughs> Dan. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave. Oh, Thank you so much, uh, Brad, Robert. I mean, you guys... It has. It's been a great journey to become friends with you guys in ministry, uh, as uh, fellow dads, and uh, just have great respect for how you guys walk with Christ and do so in community with with your families and with other people. Thanks, Dan. That sounded very gracious, didn't no it? No kidding. Yeah, wow. it's not what you well, say off air. Yeah, we don't get that very often. <laughs> and that's great. Really well, you know, so for so picture this this uh, situation, Dan. You've got a mother probably a housewife with two or three kids. She's driving somewhere. She's late. And she's listening to this podcast because somewhere deep down in her heart, she's looking for help. Um, And she's struggling with a preteen or a teenager. You work at Awana. I mean, you guys are like the uh, leaders of preteen ministry in the world. Lay some wisdom on us. What do you got? Man, so, you know, first off, off, there, there's absolutely no silver bullets when it comes to parenting. And, you know, one of the things that we've always recognized as a ministry is that we want to equip children as disciples first and to recognize that they have a relationship with God that supersedes and makes uh, very little sense to the adult world because, you know, honestly, as we grow up as adults, we start to, uh, I guess, dismiss the Holy Spirit's voice. We think we can explain it away. Um, you know, we think back on the feeding of the 5,000 and we're like, there's no way I would offer my lunch up. It's never going to feed all these people. But that little kid was like, absolutely. Here, here's my mm. lunch. Let's see what Jesus does with it. And when it comes to parenting, I think we have a similar, a similar posture. We think back to our childhood, the good, the bad. And then we think, okay, great. I'll, I'll read a, a book. I'll read a newspaper, an article. I'll listen to a podcast. Somebody's going to give me the three secrets to the perfect parenting experience, yeah. the perfect home, the perfect family. And the fact is, is that kid who's on this discipleship journey is the same kind of heartbeat that we are to have as adults, which is to, to be humble in heart, kids of all ages who are walking with Jesus moment by moment, day by day, and we do that together. And so the wisdom is to recognize that I'm a disciple first. Uh, I have a relationship with with 
my heavenly father. I have a relationship with, um, you know, my child or the areas of responsibility I have. And then I have a relationship with other community. And if I'm not doing this alone, I'm walking with the spirit. I think that changes, changes everything. And then there are some, you know, some practical principles, but for the most part, we've got to get that relationship right first, uh, before we start laying out a path, a path or a plan that we think everybody's just going to follow. That's really good. And in, in a sense, like using your, your analogy of the feeding the 5,000, it really is about bringing what we have and allowing God to do the rest of that. Cause really, you know, that kid didn't, he didn't have enough food for 5,000 people, but he brought what he had. And in the same way as parents, mm-hmm. right? We just, you got to bring what you have and trust that, that God is ultimately going to um, increase, right? Yeah. You know, I was just doing a training uh, this past week at a disciple making conference. And what, what stuck out to me as I shared about the feeding of the 5,000 was how how that kid also experienced finger pointing in the moment, right? Because one of Jesus' disciples points out, like, what is this kid thinking? What is he doing? This isn't going to work. And so the kid's overhearing this kind of uh, shameful message of you're not enough, what you brought isn't going to work, uh, even God, this is impossible with him too. Hmm. I mean, and so the, the impact that we have as kid influencers who are further along in the journey is really for better or worse. Acts 1 8 is real clear. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And I think one of the things that stresses out parents is we quickly realize I will have a negative impact in leading my child towards Christ. How am I going to offset that? Hmm. And it's a bit of a panic when we realize that moment of like, I don't even know what I'm doing. I was handed broken batons and tools from my parents. What on earth is going to happen in my home that's going to lay a foundation for the future? Uh, man, I really hope I don't blow this. Wow, you bring up some interesting thoughts all in uh, a couple of, of sentences there, Dan. I I couldn't help but picture as you were talking as a pastor, which I am, how just last week I had a an eight or a nine-year-old girl come up to me after the service. She, she'd drawn a picture <coughs> while I was preaching a sermon. She'd drawn a picture and wrote out this paragraph that she said God told her to share with me. And as I read it, it was exactly what I needed to hear as a pastor. And of all the people hey, in the church, awesome. you know, the, here's this little eight-year-old girl who's hearing the voice of God. She's also having trouble sitting still because she's eight years old, mm. right? But yep. God spoke through her so clearly and so affirmingly to me as a pastor that if I if I had sort of been too busy for her or or it felt like I needed to be about the adult business of the service, I would have missed that blessing. So it just, what you're sharing sort of resonated with me. I was like, amen, that's true. I think we discount what our kids are carrying for us in the parenting equation. Yeah. I, I don't remember who I read. Uh, you know, I think maybe it was Catherine Stonehouse. Uh, there's a book called Joining Children on the, the Spiritual Journey. And I, such a helpful book for pastors, for parents, and just understanding what it means to walk with kids as co, co-pilgrims, followers with Jesus together. Hmm. And, and I just loved how, I think it was in that book, maybe not, but really the, the, the highlighting of this issue. Kids are way more receptive to God's voice than adults. Because the, the fact is, is we just, the kids just don't dismiss it. They're like, God told me to draw a picture, so I drew a picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, God told me to write this sentence out, and so I did. God told me to bring him the lunch I had. It was not enough for everybody, but just bring it. 
And adults are like, yeah, I don't know. I, what, what will I eat at, at lunchtime if I give that guy my lunch? <laughs> well, right. if, if I, I got it, here's a story. A um, friend of mine uh, has an incredible heart for following Christ at the deepest levels. She totally did not want to follow him. She was a single mom, and, and God started to do some things in her through uh, a colleague at work. She was a lawyer in the inner city. And every day, as he was talking with her about following Jesus, she made a decision to trust Christ. And then at some point, she's walking through town, and it, she hears this phrase, uh, take the Marine to lunch. Okay, I write about this. Uh, it's actually an illustration in, uh, in one of the, in my book, Relational Children ministry but just sharing her story about how she's like i have no idea what this means and it turned out that there was this this homeless man that she was uh convicted that she should spend some time with and so she actually went to take him to lunch and he was gone from the bridge that he's always at well her daughter heard about this story and was hearing of the influence that god's spirit and voice was having on her mom and whether or not she was going to respond or not Anyway, eventually she ends up taking this guy to lunch, and it turns out that their, their, their date of coming to Christ was exactly the same. Two different cities, two different situations, but when they finally met and she did take this guy to lunch, it turns out they both became Christians on the same day. Wow. Well, her daughter starts to hear this story, and it's starting to change her as well. So the story I share in my book is how this daughter then goes to her mom a couple years, a few years later. She's about 10 years old, and she says, I think— God is telling me to bring lunches to homeless guys in the city. And she's very specific. She's like, it needs to be uh, an apple, and it needs to be, uh, you know, this cheese, and then also a baguette. Now, I don't know how many 10-year-olds use the word baguette, (laughs) but she was crystal clear, like, it needs to be a baguette. And then she wanted to put a verse in the bag about how, you know, um, Jesus is the bread of life and and so on. So (laughs) her mom's like, okay, fine. And because her mom listened to a prompting and let that trickle over into her home, her daughter heard a prompting and totally wasn't afraid to say to her mom, let's just go. Let's just go do this. And this woman and her daughter have been an influence in my family's life and our church's life. And it's just been a powerful uh, testimony of people who actually listen to God's voice and follow through. Wow. That's a great, I love that. While you're on the subject of your, of your book, which is just awesome, what, tell us a little bit about this idea of um, relational ministry, and um, because I know that you have a very mm. acute view of, of how important this is. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, you guys know everything has to have uh, structure to some degree to, to, to work, right? I mean, if you're going to have somebody paint a painting or, or write a song, you kind of got to pick like, what genre is this going to be? How much, how much, uh, real estate am I going to use? You know, do I use a canvas? What medium am I going to choose? You know, all of that has to come into play. You don't just get to free form art just any way you want and then hope it turns out. Right. So the same thing's kind of true when it comes to, you know, children's ministry. You're like, okay, so what, what are the boundaries, the structures, the plan, the processes, and so on? What happens in children's ministries, either in churches or parachurch ministries, is that a program gets set, and then it's just those are the boundaries. Those are the terms. This is how stuff's supposed to happen. Where's the plan? Follow the plan. And if that doesn't work, people don't know what to do. The heartbeat behind the how is what really, really matters. So we know why. We want to make disciples. We want to uh, you know, have people come to know, love, and serve Jesus. We know the, the how because we've found some ways that work. 
But in between this, this what, like what is it going to be like? What's it going to be about? What are we going to camp on? That's where I think relational children's ministry needs to stick its nose up and just say, look, hey, everybody, if we're not doing this in a relational way, we're going to kind of fall up. The things that are trying to be done, the wheels are just going to fall off. Mm. And so for me, I look at it, I look at what Jesus' life was about. True discipleship is truly relational. That was true for Mm. Jesus. It was true for the early church. It's true for us. And as I think about relational children's ministry, there are some invitations that we need both in our homes and in our church uh, families that when it's happening in both places, uh, we get sort of wrapped up in a community that's responding to Jesus's invitations in a really healthy way. Yeah. For for our audience out there who's listening to Dan speak, and uh, Robert and I have made some references to a book that you wrote, I just want to make sure that they know the name of the book. It's Relational Children's Ministry, Turning Kid Influencers into Lifelong Disciple Makers, and it's put out by Zondervan in 2016. So uh, it'd be on Amazon, it would be to Christian bookstores, and it would definitely be at Awana. Uh, .org. So, that, Dan, I know that this is more than a theory to you. I, I know that you wrote a book and you're an expert on relational ministry, but personally, I know that you do some very specific things with your boys. Um, could you share a little bit about that? How are you relational as a dad? Yeah. Yeah. Let me, um, yeah, let me uh, share a story from, you know, what, like four days ago. So I'm sitting with my son, my younger son, at lunch. Uh, I got a gift card to a place uh, over the holidays. And so I was like, hey, you want to go out for lunch on Sunday before I I take this work trip? And and my son says, absolutely, you know. Why? Because uh, he and I have both expressed that we miss our weekly breakfasts. Now that he's started high school, he gets up way earlier, has to get to school earlier. And, you know, for the last, I don't know, 10 10 years or more, 15 years, we've been getting together every Tuesday morning or at least one day a week where we go to breakfast, usually before school. Mm-hmm. And we sit and we talk about life. We talk about uh, <laughs> faith in Christ. We talk about love. We talk about, you know, anything that comes up, you know, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. I figure let's just have those same kind of conversations with my son. You know, everything's going to be either about how you're physically growing or uh, you know, relating to other people and emotionally growing and so on. Or it's going to be like, you know, here's what's going on in your heart and here's how you deal with the issues of the day and so on. So we, we reconnected this last uh, Sunday over lunch and it was just amazing because his questions were around the Christmas Eve service and the fact that he's still wondering, what does it mean to walk with Jesus? How do I do that? He's real clear on Salvation's by grace. Uh, it's through faith. He's real clear that I don't have to do anything to be saved. But he's like on the back end of this, on the other side. Like, how do I actually stay connected to Christ in a in a meaningful way? Mm. I've had more conversations with him about this because that seems to be his big question. And so we ended up talking about how he loves serving at the church. We talked about how he loves doing lights and sound and tech and all this kind of stuff he's doing. Um, and we ended up talking about apprenticeship, and he it something clicked for him. He started to realize, like, if I want to be a lighting technician, lighting director, you know, as I grow up, I need to apprentice under people that do the same kind of thing. 
people that know the mm. industry, know the disciplines, and so on. And he knows that through and through. And he had never made the connection that he needs to then apprentice under Christ in community with other people to be more like him. Mm. And so he made this connection. And I mean, it's we're just sitting there. I guess if you feed my son a steak, that changes everything. But, <laughs> well, most you know, of us, that would like, work. <laughs> yeah, totally. But, it, but that was a moment of, of lights going on for him, but it was based on years of, of one breakfast at a time. Mm. One mm. intentional, consistent, vulnerable, and very, very mindful uh, engagement with my son. Those all build on each other. And so it's really important that that kind of foundation gets laid. And as I was thinking about his apprenticeship, I said, what are the things around these people that you're with for the lighting technician stuff that, that draw you in. He goes, I just love being with them. Their character is such, the way they interact with each other, the way that we all support each other and work hard together, the way we, we all want to learn and grow and get better at our craft and all. I'm just listening to him like, dude, you are well beyond your years in understanding what it means then to follow Jesus and what are the disciplines and practices that would be in that regard, uh, the attitudes and convictions that are uh, necessary in order to, to walk with him. So anyway, long story short, he enjoyed his steak, a big aha moment. And I look back now and go, that could not have happened had I not invested in him, um, you know, mutually invested in each other in those breakfasts over all those years. Yeah, that is a really cool story. I know that uh, there's probably some parents out there today who are going, man, I wish I'd done that. Um, here I am today. Is it ever too late to start relationally discipling kids? You know, I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, breakfast with dad, breakfast with mom has been a, a thing in my family for, you know, generations. It's just kind of just part of the rhythm. And, and it's funny, I was meeting with a, we have a father-son, father-daughter camp as part of our church. Uh, it's about 450 miles from home. Uh, 10-hour drive, you get there, you're there for three days, it's powerful one-on-one time with your child. Um, And it's at that camp that a lot of dads, for the first time, even if they go for the first time and their kid's like 10 or 11, suddenly realize the power of one-on-one. And so whenever you get that aha, like, wow, one-on-one changes things, changes people's, the way we, eye-to-eye and heart-to-heart connections changes when it's just one-on-one, it, it, you know, if, if you wake up and that's true at your kid's 26, start then. It, yeah. it, there's no reason not to because you can start to unpack the, the what has come before, you know. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, remember when you were 10? Hey, yeah, remember when we did that when you were 20? Hey, man. You can totally just start whenever. So it's better to start now recognizing that, that Christ is really looking for us to be in this love one another kind of relationship, starting today, moment by moment, moving forward. And I think that that can start at any age, even if you've missed it when you were a kid yourself, or if it's been years you've been a parent and just totally thought, man, I wish I had done that. There's no reason for the regret. Just move forward. Right. Yeah, that's that's an encouraging word. I know, personally, I've had that experience in raising three kids with road trips, just this idea of getting kids apart. Uh, out of your normal cycle and schedule and, and having some real shared discoveries is a really cool thing. Well, we sure mm. thank you for your time, Dan, and I know you're busy there in Chicago, but there's one last question that's super serious that we've got to cover, and 
something miraculous occurred in Chicago uh, this winter. Um, it, it's been oh, a yes. long, long time uh, for a certain baseball team. And I just I want to know, how did that feel? I got to tell you, when those Cubs won the World Series, I... I <laughs> Uh, I I have no work. I have no work. I mean, because we've waited so long. Now, now here's a crazy story. Because as excited as I was about the Cubs, I took a trip uh, to Africa this this uh, fall, and I do almost every year. And I go to this one area in Zambia and uh, train pastors and work with a, a NGO there and. We build into about 80, 82 churches in this one region. It's, it's, just, it's just exciting. It's through the church. And I met a woman who's 116. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And she's never even heard of the Cubs, right? I mean, she's been living in this little village. But I, when I found out she was 116, I thought, this is you got to be kidding me. And so we had to meet her. And so we meet this lady, uh, Belita, and she was just this wonderful woman, totally coherent, totally uh, passionate about following Jesus and so on. And we find out that, that she's living with her daughter, who's 97. Oh, my and I'm gosh. Going, be kidding, <laughs> she's right? a youngster. And so, yeah. And, yeah, so we're standing there, and we're sitting with her, and we're thinking, she was like eight years old when the Cubs won the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was coming full circle. Yeah, I this knew this insane, was coming around. Right? Yeah, so she just thought, man, I would love to go to America. I bet they got some good food there. I'm kind of sick of eating this stuff we eat here, you know grown up here my whole life but wow. i said well you know you can come back with us and we'll show you the the cubs win in the world series uh, uh 2016 so wow <laughs> yeah for those of uh those listeners out there who are unfamiliar with baseball and, and the chicago cubs i can just tell you as a guy who grew up in illinois uh that the cubs have never even come close to this until uh this last couple of years and so there had been a long long drought a, a famine if you will <laughs> in the uh, baseball world for the cubs and let that be an encouragement that you know it's this, never too late yeah it's never too late and and god could intervene uh so uh 2017 could be your year so uh thanks for joining us today dan thanks for being such an awesome guy and uh, God bless you. Uh, Real pleasure. quick, before we sign off, how would people get a hold of you? What What's your email or social media they could find? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, uh, track down Twitter, uh, at Dan Lavalia, D-A-N-L-O-V-A-G-L-I-A. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I got a page on there as well. Um, you know, or just email me at the office, D-A-N-L at Awana dot O-R-G, A-W-A-N-A dot O-R-G. Well, there you have it. Thanks, Dan. God bless you. And for those podcast listeners, we'll be back next week. Parents, remember, even if you may not feel brilliant or brave, you are. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 13. This podcast is a service of iShine Ministries and the Tween Gospel Alliance, all rights reserved. Donations to Brilliantly Brave are tax-deductible at iShineLive.com. Review and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or on our webpage. And read our blog and connect with us at WordPress at BrilliantlyBrave.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brilliantly Brave. What our kids believe 
is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barna, by the age of 13, what a kid believes is what he'll die believing. For parents and for pastors, that's a frightening experience, especially if you've got an 11 or 12 year old. At the iShine Ministries headquarters, this became a huge priority in the last year. We partnered with the Tween Gospel Alliance to bring you a brand new resource known as the Shock and Awe Study Guide. And I'm here with one of the co-founders of this entire program, Robert Beeson. Can you tell us what is the Shock and Awe Study Guide? It is awesome. More than that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> The Shock and Awe Study Guide is a super cool thing that either a parent can do with their kid or a youth pastor can do with their students or a children's pastor can do with their students. And here's the cool thing about it. It is apologetics for kids. Wow. So it's the really huge evidence and thoughts of apologetics wrapped in a way that is really tangible and simple for kids to understand, answering four primary questions. And they are, what if there's a God? What if the Bible is true? What if Jesus is who he said he was? And what if I'm part of that plan? And we believe if you can answer those four questions and you are drawn through evidence proving those four questions that really it's going to it's going to establish a pretty unshakable foundation of faith that sounds very helpful especially if you're a parent or pastor and you're concerned about the condition of your child's faith what they believe what the voices of culture are telling them if that's you and you're interested go to ishinelive.com and check out in our web store the shock and awe study guide it has a digital cloud video base so it's four studies in a small paperback volume for nine dollars and it has four videos that go with four studies it can be done in a weekend it can be done over a month or it can be done bi-monthly however you need it it is a fantastic resource that i have used as a pastor in my own home church and i have been impressed so check it out check it out